0: You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network.
1: Hey guys, and welcome to the latest Testudo Times Podcast Series, Road to Indianapolis. I'm Lila Bromberg, joined here by our podcast host, Matt Levine. And we have Brandon Simberg joining us for this series, bringing back uh, our limited series last year, Road to Atlanta, of course. The NCAA tournament was canceled, so we didn't get the that through, but we are back to discuss national college basketball, debate some topics. It's going to get a little heated as we, you know, talk about coming up for the NCAA, NCAA tournament. Just how, how are you doing, Brandon? How's life uh, covering Illinois?
2: Yeah, it's going well. Um, obviously, Illinois has been pretty good this year. It's, you know, pretty dramatic. Life in the Big Ten, it's, it's always dramatic, you know. There's, there's no really easy games and Illinois has had a lot of close games, a lot of exciting games, getting to cover Io DeSumo, a player of the year candidate has been awesome. And yeah, it's just, it's been a fun year and I'm really happy March is here. And like you said, you know, I, I feel like we were robbed of the tournament last year, you know, college basketball was like the one sport that didn't get to finish their season and see a champion declared. So the fact that we're trending in that direction and it looks like we're gonna have a tournament, I'm, I'm excited. And I'm glad we're doing this podcast. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing well, Brandon. Thank you.
1: You know, I don't think it's fair, but you go from like covering Maryland, that's going to be like a two to four seed. And now you're covering like a two to one seed. You know, you're just getting, you're just getting the best of both worlds here.
2: I know. I, I got to apply to Michigan next year and see if I can go to school there. And cover <laughs> that is, I that, mean, because yeah, they're going to really be
1: dominating much. the Big Ten for years. It yeah, seems so. like
2: that, that is, that is my next transition, but <laughs> yes.
1: Sounds like a plan. You're going to, you know, get all three in.
2: Yeah. I yeah.
1: So, I mean, for Illinois right now, you know, as one of the top teams in the Big 10, you guys now have, I would assume out before we started this podcast, you were saying the game tonight that's going to be against Michigan, he might be out. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, his injury um, with that nose being broken is going to, you know, really not impact, I mean, it'll depend how it impacts things of how long he'll be out. But if he's out, you know, that's obviously a huge thing. Like you said, being national player of the year and just a huge topic nationally. So, what do you think the timeline is going to look like on that?
2: Yeah. So, it, I mean, this is coming out on Tuesday. So, if you're listening on a Wednesday, his decision will have already been made. But it sounds like he's a true game time decision uh, for the Michigan game on Tuesday night. And my guess is that he doesn't play, like, he's made a lot of progress in the past week, but from what I've hear, been hearing from some, like, experts around the team and insiders is that they don't fully expect them to play, but then I think the bigger game for them is, because they're not catching Michigan, you know, Michigan's kind of locked into a one seed, Michigan has a three-game lead in the Big Ten, like, it, it would be cool to beat Michigan, but I don't think they're catching them. The bigger game is on Saturday in Columbus at Ohio State, which is, like, basically for a one seed in the NCAA tournament, you know, Joe Lenari just released his latest bracketology this morning and Illinois jumped Ohio state and they are now the fourth one seed and Ohio state's the fifth two seed. So that is a huge game that they'll need IO for as well as the big time tournament, because you know, that that Friday game should be against some kind of tournament team, you know, maybe a Maryland or a Rutgers or a Purdue. And then on Saturday, you can be playing Iowa. So they're going to need IO back. And the fact that he's almost playing tonight, tells me that he's probably going to play on Saturday because that is the biggest game of the year.
1: So is he's gonna have you know a mask like Daryl Morcell are we gonna have more masks in the in the Big Ten?
2: I think we are gonna have more masks you know we had Morcell, <laughs> Paul, Mo- Paul Mulcahy on Rutgers likes to sport the mask and now IO. so just shows the toughness of the league guys playing with facial injuries.
1: You, you mentioned Ohio State, Brent. It seems like they've kind of taken a little bit of a tumble over the past few games after seeming like they're locked in as a one seed. You know, that game versus Michigan, I mean, I don't think you can fault them for that. Michigan, you know, is one of the top three teams in the country. Now, number two, that's kind of debatable, and we can discuss that. But, you know, that's a close game for most of the way. You can't really fault them for that. But, you know, then having the losses they've had since um, – Having that loss to Michigan State, losing really badly to Iowa, uh, what do you guys think is going on there? Matt, any, any clues there?
0: Well, I think, as you said, you can't really fault them for losing to Michigan. Uh, and I know I said last week I thought Michigan was a fluke, but I think I'm starting to realize that they might be as good as Gonzaga. Um, but regardless, I think Michigan State, that's, that's obviously a loss that you can't really have. Um, but Michigan State beat Illinois as well, so it's it's just like as Brandon said when we started. Every night in the Big Ten is a tough game, and when you have Michigan State being one of the hottest teams, and then they come in and get blown out by Maryland, like it just does. None none of it makes any sense at this point. Um, and Ohio State did beat Iowa earlier in the year, so having them lose now is just kind of everybody's looking at it as like recency bias. Like oh, they're struggling, but. It's so hard to beat a team twice, especially like Iowa. So if they had their loss earlier in the year against Iowa and then won this game, it'd be a much different story. Um, So I don't think I fault them for that much either. And if they do beat Illinois, then I think they're back on the one. I think they'll swap places again. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, as Brandon said, that's the biggest game of the year, I think. Um, Whoever wins is going to keep the one seed.
1: But how concerning is that, just losing three games in a row, regardless of opponent, just for, from a momentum standpoint leading up to March? I mean, usually you want, you want to be trending in the opposite direction.
0: I mean, personally, I don't, I don't put too much fault on it because they can make a run in the Big Ten tournament and win it. They're that good. Um, so losing three games here shows me they're not peaking too early, I guess. And they do have a chance to pick up, if, especially if they win Saturday, a chance to ride into the Big Ten tournament as one of the top seeds and maybe win the whole thing. Who knows? But they're yeah. going to be a one or two and in, in the NCAA tournament, just a matter of how much momentum they can get in the Big Ten tournament.
2: Yeah, I think Saturday is just as big for them because, like Lila like said, all of a sudden if you're losing four straight games going to the Big Ten tournament, that's concerning. But if you can beat Illinois and reclaim that spot on the one seed, then it's then it's like you know who cares they they're still back on the one and they just beat a good team so they're playing better. Uh, I've been pretty impressed with Iowa recently because I don't really I
1: don't, Iowa. You you've been hating Iowa all year in their defense. I'm shocked to hear you say that.
2: Well, so I've been ripping Iowa <laughs> for the I've been ripping Iowa for their defense all year. It's actually up to 59th in Ken Palm, which is like the highest it's been in a while. And Ohio State's like I, I don't I wasn't ripping Ohio State's defense enough. Their defense is 82nd in Kempom. like that. Oh wow. That is real. It, it doesn't feel that way because it's Ohio State and we don't make like Ohio State defense jokes. But their defense, Ohio State's defense is pretty bad. I think when Iowa struggled, it was without C.J. Frederick. And I don't know how much the committee is going to factor this in when you watch Iowa and you see Frederick out there spacing the floor next to Garza, you know next to Wieskamp, Camp. It makes a huge difference. Like I. Iowa played a complete 40 minutes on Saturday or on Sunday against Ohio State. And I think today I think Iowa is the second best Big Ten team. And it pains me to say that because I didn't
1: Oh really? Over Illinois or Ohio State? I
2: think because Illinois beat Iowa, but it was without Frederick and it was at home and it was by a few points. So I think if you put those two teams on a neutral, I feel like Iowa with Frederick would win. I think they're they're trending in the right direction right now after a slump and they have all their guys back. So I've been really impressed with Iowa, and it, it's weird to say that, but I have.
1: I think it's just so interesting. I believe they said it on one of the games that I was watching the other day. You know, a conference has never had two one-seeds and two-seeds, two, two seeds. Um, and, and I think that says a lot about the Big Ten. I guess that can kind of get in, into our, our debate a little bit, unless you guys want to discuss Maryland, but just that's so huge um to be able to have that and I think you know looking at at a school like Maryland it's like you're facing all of those teams early and it's very interesting when you just you know talk about the different paths that some of these teams have gone you know Northwestern was clearly a fluke early on you've Minnesota looking good for a while picking up some big wins and then you know completely deteriorating you have you know Maryland um doing really really bad and then kind of. Going back up. Um, it, Rutgers trending down and then now trying to come back a little bit. So it, it's just been such a roller coaster season. At least you guys have had a bit of uh, stability with Illinois.
2: <laughs> That's, I mean, they, they've been ranked the whole year. Uh, so, but no, even they lost like they lost two to Maryland and Ohio State, showing, you know, and both games at home, showing that you can lose to anyone. So. I don't Maryland. care
1: what, what the coaches said. Like Maryland, Illinois has developed in recent years as, as a big game. Like I think Daryl Morsel, released a video and he was saying like, I've never lost in this building. Like I refuse to lose in this building. And that's why I think when you look at the big 10 bracket right now, um, with, with Rutgers losing, you now have Maryland as a seven seed. And I would prefer them to stay there and go up to uh, a six seed which would be if they pass Wisconsin. Wisconsin has two really tough games left. Maryland has Northwestern and Penn State. Because then you're potentially facing Iowa instead of Illinois. And I would much rather see Maryland against Illinois.
2: Yeah, I think Illinois, Like, not that they're scared of Maryland, but I think they would prefer to see Rutgers to Maryland. I think something that's bothered Illinois all year is like teams with length on the wing, not necessarily – like at the center position, but on the wing. And Maryland has, you know, Ayala 6'5", Hakeem Hart 6'6", 6'7", Wiggins is 6'6", six, 6'5", 6'6", and a really good defender. That's a bad matchup for Illinois. I don't think Illinois wants to see Maryland, who's playing well on Friday in the Big Ten tournament, at all.
1: Matt, who would you rather see Maryland play? Any predictions so far for the Big Ten tournament?
0: I mean, like just from this season alone, Iowa just – Stomped on Maryland's throat. That game was never close from the start. Um, And Maryland's very fortunate to have played both of those teams just once instead of twice. They they
1: got so lucky with that. (laughs) Very
0: lucky. And Ohio State just once as well. Um, But I I I don't know. I think Iowa, as Brandon's saying, they might be a little bit better than Illinois. I just like Illinois more because I like when a team is led by a guard, Uh, and I feel like Iowa's more just balanced. Or led by Luca Garza, but when you're talking about matching up, did Kofi Coburn score in the second half against Maryland? I don't know if he had like I think he had like 20 first half points and then just like didn't do much in the second half. Um, and I don't know what the factor was there. And somehow Maryland won without Ayala as well. I, I don't know. It's I feel like I'd rather play Iowa in a way just because Illinois is going to remember oh, really? that game and really. I don't know. I feel. I don't know. I feel like you could just match up against anybody, and you have no idea what's going to happen. But in terms of matchups, I think Maryland matches up better against Illinois. But storyline, like I just feel like Illinois would d- dominate them because they don't want to lose twice to Maryland.
1: Yeah, I mean that's definitely interesting. Um, I don't know. I-, I would prefer Illinois. Like yes. Illinois would be fired up, but I think so would Maryland. And just the matchup between Daryl, Morsell, and Iowa is just always so fun to watch Um, when you have Daryl guarding him. I know they are two guys that are just really competitive with each other, and I think that's so fun. Um, It'll definitely be interesting. Like you said, they only played those teams twice, and and that was a while ago. So, you know, those two games was when Maryland was doing really bad, and they somehow managed to beat Illinois. So – how does that matchup look
2: now? Yeah, I, th- I think that Illinois would try to learn from the first game. And like Matt said, Kofi Coburn had 20 points in the order or early, a lot of points in the first half. And then Illinois, like, forgot he existed in the second half and they didn't go to him. So I think Illinois would learn from that. But their length on the wings bothered them. Maryland is playing better than Illinois is right now. Like, Illinois just lost to Michigan State last week. Maryland took care of Michigan State maryland's playing really well i've been i've been really impressed like i think when you look at the big ten there's a clear top four of illinois michigan ohio state iowa like those are the four best teams after that maryland might be the fifth best team in the big ten right now like they're playing oh wow they're playing really well they are they beat over purdue
1: they
2: they didn't they beat them last time they played yeah they did they did like i Purdue's Purdue's the other team i would kind of put in that conversation but I'm not impressed Purdue with,
1: confuses me. I'm I'm not sold on Purdue.
2: I'm not impressed with Wisconsin right now. Um, Rutgers. Well, how just, are they
1: still ranked? Can we please just talk about this? Like, I know this makes you so heated. Like, how, they shouldn't have been ranked last week at all, and they're at 23, and they're at 25 this week. Like, it just it makes absolutely no sense. The
2: the AP loves the loves the narratives. They love you know people love to say Wisconsin has seniors, but seniors like doesn't equate to basketball. they
1: don't have seniors they have seven-year veterans that you know are going to be entering yeah. a retirement home soon and,
2: and those guys weren't good for the first six years and now they're <laughs> still like just okay so it, yeah but I really think Maryland is like could be the fifth best Big Ten team right now I, they're they're playing really well
0: going back to the Wisconsin thing Brandon I saw you tweeted out something like and I, I thought it was sarcasm you said oh Wisconsin loses to Illinois now they'll drop from 23 to 25 or something and, and that's, that's exactly what that was sarcasm. <laughs> oh, I like,
1: didn't even see that tweet. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> um, Illinois without their
2: star player in Madison, Wisconsin has nine losses, which is more than any other ranked team. Like it, yeah. It it makes no sense.
0: Also, I don't know how Trice scored nineteen points in the final, like two and a half, and you still lose. And that's yeah. just yeah,
2: incredible. yeah. So, um, so okay. So one Illinois question. Illinois, like, beat this year, or, like, on social media. It's Big Ten Player of the Year. It's Io versus Luca Garza. Uh, I guess, Lila, I'll go to you first. Where do you stand on this?
1: I keep going back and forth, and I think both these guys are up for National Player of the Year. I personally think it's Io DeSumo. Um I, I think Illinois is a better team. Um, I think they've performed better this year. And I think that he controls the game more, you know Luca garza is this the scoring machine, and um, he's always been regarded as that, but I don't think he's very strong defensively um i I don't think he's as multifaceted like I think a lot of the, the points and things he gets is is just because he's tall but you you look at kind of his matchups with kofi coburn and and some of the other and Hunter Dickinson, some of those bigs, and he really struggled. Um, He really did, and I feel like Io has has been consistent throughout the year. I mean, the triple-doubles he was able to get have been amazing. I mean, it's not just that he's scoring and rebounding. You know, he's having a huge impact with his passing. He's completely taken over games late. I forget what game it was that he, like, had the final, like, seven points of regulation and then overtime in the win. Like, I just think that he's more of an X factor.
0: Matt, where do you kind of stand on this? I actually agree, but there is no way that Garza doesn't win it, unfortunately. I think D'Souza. Right, because when you player. said that
1: narrative at the beginning of the season, no one wants to let go of it, and that's what stinks.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Garza is the nation's leading scorer, and everybody knows what he can do, but I think when you're talking about the most complete player in the nation, it's Ayo D'Souza. He's a phenomenal defender. He's always been that way, and his scoring has just taken an extreme leap even since last year when i thought he had a chance to go to the nba after last season now i think he's a solidified first round pick um a lottery
1: and, pick in my opinion yeah
0: and i don't know I, the way lila said he just like takes over the game and i think the way he closes out games even more than taking over a game is so impressive just controlling the game taking over the game and, and closing out like last year for maryland their bailout player was anthony count every game just scored the final 11 points in East Lansing to beat Michigan State. And now you have DeSumo doing the same exact thing and, and maybe even more than that. Uh, and, and just being a rebounder, a passer, it seems like he has multiple steals every game too at this point. And I I think he's more of a complete player and more deserving, but they're going to give it to Garza just because the narrative was set and nobody really wants to, to change that. And he's also leading the country in scoring.
1: I just don't see... I think that like people get so caught up in the, in the stats with so many of these awards and, and it's just so frustrating, you know, obviously for defensive player of the year, it's a thing where it's like, you know, they care more about blocks or steals and aren't kind of watching the film. And I think it's the same thing for this is so many people are just like, Oh, well, you know, he's a, he's a leading scorer in the nation. Um, He should get it. But I just, I think you really have to look beyond that, and I think that's just something so flawed with how all of this works. Is you know, yes, he, he's this leading scorer, um, but even if if you look at it, you know, if if you look at where Luca Garza is at right now, it's 24.3 uh, points per game, and Ios at 20, 21. So I mean, you're not having that major of a difference there. Um, is, I think, a much better three-point shooter. He's taking a lot more um, and doing well with those. In terms of assists, Io has it by a mile. I mean, you only have 1.76 for Luca, and, you know, you have 5.3. Um, the steals are up there. I just, I just think he has such a bigger impact on the game, and uh, I, I really think that people need to kind of let go of this narrative. Like, watch the film like yes his stats are missed, but he was completely stifled in some games.
2: So I'll I'll make the pro Luca case here because I'm still torn like I'm still like deciding on my vote but Io gets this like this rap as a closer because he closes out a lot of games. But like Luca isn't letting the Nebraska game go down to the wire. Like Luca kind of puts teams away, you know. it gets a high, like, Iowa hasn't really been in that many close games. Like when they win, they kind of blow you out. Um and he's like, I think maybe we're maybe we're having, we're hitting Garza fatigue. It was a, like is the reverse way of like the narrative thing. Like maybe we've seen it for so long, we're looking for a new narrative to put in. But he's averaging twenty four points on fifty five percent shooting and forty five percent from three. Like he's super efficient offensively. Um, I hate to blame the injury, but like I O now has missed two games, and his team is two and zero in those games. Like if Luca Garza broke his nose and didn't play at Wisconsin, would they win? I, I don't know. I like, I don't, Illinois does have Kofi Coburn and Andre Carbello and Adam Miller to step up in his place. Like if I I don't think, I I don't think Iowa can win at Wisconsin without Luca Garza. I just, I think that he's the, he's the best scorer in the country. He's one of the best scoring big men we've seen in a while. He does rebound. I do get the defensive things, but Um, even like, even with games being stifled, like even with going six for 19 against Michigan, he's still holistically shooting 55% on the year. I, I'm still torn. Like if, if Io can come back this week and win at Ohio state and have like that signature moment, maybe I'll lean Io. But I really do think that we can't underappreciate how amazing it is to watch Luca Garza multiple times a game he just catches the ball on the block and like you know he's scoring i think it's incredible so i'm still torn but i definitely see both sides
1: yeah i mean and That's a guy I've covered since since high school. Um, you know, he went to Moray. I just love his story of coming out of a school that hasn't put out athletes. Um, you know, everyone knows of the WCAC, one of the top conferences in the country. And then, you know, he's in probably the fourth best league. He was in the fourth best league in the DMV in the DC area. Not even the whole DMV, just just in the DC area. You had some kids come out of Sidwell in that in that league that are you know now in the NBA, but a kid coming out of Marais was unheard of. And he, he turned that program around while he was there. It's been incredible to kind of see his career. I just think that um, both need to be considered. I just don't want it to be like it's locked up for him. And I guess that kind of transitions into the national player of year argument. And where are you guys at with that right now and kind of where you're leaning or kind of your, your top three guys right now?
0: I mean, I'm still leaning towards Garza in that sense. I know I said I think this team was the Big Ten player of the year, but, it, it, again, like this season just doesn't really make any sense. I think you give Big Ten player to, play to <laughs> Io and national player to Luca, and, and they both get they, they both win something in, in there. But I think the way Garza is shooting the ball and how just – I don't know. He just dominates it seems like. And there are games where he, he doesn't. Like, against Michigan, he still had 16 points, but that wasn't good enough. Um, it's, it's like, even games where he's not, like, insane, he's still putting up numbers, and we're just kind of judging it based on the fact that he's not putting up a 30-point game every night. And, he, he like, sometimes he really is. Um, but I think who else is up there? I, Io could be up there. Corey Kispert could be up there from Gonzaga. I think he's one of the best shooters in the country. I mean, Jalen Suggs could even be up there. Cade Cunningham. There's so many guys. Um, Gonzaga probably has three candidates. And I don't know. I think Garza is just slightly ahead of everybody else right now.
1: Cade Cunningham, that's a good name to mention. It hasn't really been mentioned. If you just kind of think about that whole situation, obviously, like, this part doesn't factor as much into the award, but just kind of – you have to admire him sticking with Oklahoma State. I think we mentioned before a podcast, it's kind of unclear whether they're going to be playing in the NCAA tournament. You know, we, we said we think they probably will be just because of the appeal of that. But, I mean, Oklahoma State for some reason wasn't ranked until like the past few weeks. Um, but they, they really should have been, you know. And I think that's an interesting thing is that he starts with a team that was not meant to do well and because of his performance has made it do well for me, that's what makes a national player of the year. Um, And I I think that really does need to be considered. You know, he had that like 40 point game the other night. He's been absolutely ridiculous. And and I think you have to really consider how he has taken a program that literally was like in the bottom of the dumps. You, you lose a lot of guys, you know, who want to leave. You have the whole NCAA thing and, you know, he comes in and, and is excellent as a freshman, you know, in a freshman year where everything's so unusual, like he should 100% win freshman of the year. I think he makes a case for national player of the year, just with the impact he's had there. And and I think that's my one issue of Corey Kispert. I think he's incredible. Um, you know, averaging almost 20 points a game, clearly the best shooter in the country. You know, he's also uh, putting up 4.9 rebounds um, and, has, has looked good overall and just you know is incredible but that team has so many guys and I don't know if you can have a guy be national player of the year if there's still kind of an argument of who's the best player on that team you know I think he is but Drew Timmy's up there as well I just think that like if you take him out of the equation they're not going to be as good but I think they they still do really well um and I think Cade Cunningham is like the one guy that really like you take him out of the team they completely collapse
2: Yeah, 100%. And, like, if I had to pick a player to, like, win a college basketball game, like right now, today, the other four guys are relevant. I I am starting my team with Cade. Like, I think if you put him with actual teammates, like if he played with Kofi Coburn.
1: Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) That would be Lob City. So I understand that for Cade. I probably won't get there because even though his team is better, like, it usually goes to someone on a more winning team. Although Garza's team is not winning like that much either. It's tough. I'll probably go Garza just because like he's the most memorable guy from this season and like just the, just the dominance he has. But I do understand the Kispert case. He's had an insane shooting season, like otherworldly um, on an undefeated team. And we didn't talk about Jared Butler on Baylor. I was kind of in on him before they lost. because
1: Oh, I back, they, that game was bad. I, yeah. I get they're just coming off the thing, but he didn't look good. No,
2: he he didn't look good. So he's still averaging good numbers. His advanced stats are still good, but I thought that they would go undefeated. And so if they if like if they don't go undefeated, it's harder to make that case. But I'll probably go Garza with Kispert as my number two guy, and I'll still hold a spot in my heart for Jared Butler at number three. So
1: no no, Cade Cunningham at all.
2: No, his numbers actually aren't that good because teams can just throw guys at him, like, I guess he's already nice and a half, but three and a half assists to four turnovers.
1: Oh, so yeah, that's a good point.
2: 45% from the field, like, it even though his impact is, like, huge, it just doesn't show up in the stats. And
1: Yeah, he's not my number one pick. I, I just think he, he needs to be in that conversation.
2: Yeah, I think, like, first-team All-American, uh, although for, even first-team All-American is tough. Like, we just listed to a ton of guys, Garza, Io, Butler, Kispert, Cade. We haven't really talked about Evan Mobley and USC, but he's having a really good season. Like there's, there's, like we said, there's just a lot of good talent in the sport this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, definitely for sure. And it's interesting. Like how do you guys feel about Baylor? Cause I know, you know, Brandon, we were talking and it was like for so long, like Baylor and Michigan are two or sorry, Baylor and Gonzaga like the two top teams in the country venue of everyone else. I was arguing Michigan is on its own tier and now Michigan's ranked number two. And I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts. Like, how much do you think that win changes things? Because the, w- the way I see it is you're coming off this huge COVID pause. Um, you're at Kansas. And the amount of fans they had there, can I just say, that did not look like they are following any COVID restrictions. Like, that student section was packed. Um, so I'm going to be interested how they respond. And was that their last regular season game, or do they have a few more? I think – Oh, you mentioned Baylor, they have the game tonight.
2: Taylor has a huge week. They're at West okay. Virginia uh, today, Tuesday, home for the Fighting Cade Cunninghams and Oklahoma State on Thursday, and then they're home for Texas Tech on Sunday. So they have a huge week. They have a huge week.
1: We're we're going to learn a lot through that. I, I don't think that it's fair to say. Like, they're obviously still going to be a one seed. I don't think you can really judge it as them falling off that much with just the uh, conditions. But I do think that, people need to take Michigan a little bit more seriously, and I think they they do belong in that top three conversation, especially being in a league like the Big Ten.
2: I'm not quite there yet. I just – well, my thing with Baylor is that I have to see how they respond this week. If if they were sluggish this week, then they're going to be sluggish going into into March, and I'm concerned about them. But as of right now, I I have Gonzaga on on their own tier. I just think that this is like – right now – Yeah, that's an
1: incredible team.
2: I wouldn't put Michigan in Gonzaga's tier. I just, like, I can't actually see Michigan and Gonzaga playing and, like, Michigan beating them. I I really can't. Um, I could see Baylor doing it if Baylor looked like the team they were earlier this year. But, I mean, Gonzaga, we know what they did in the non-conference. They smoked Virginia. They beat Iowa. They beat West Virginia. They beat Kansas. They – and then in in conference, they haven't had a game within 10. Like, I know their league is bad. But they're blowing everybody out. And it's just kind of like an eye test thing. Like, they have Jalen Suggs. They have Corey Kispert. They have Drew Timmy. They have Joel they bringing Mar
1: Fuse just incredible. They're
2: bringing Andrew Nemhart off the bench, who was all SEC last year. Like, this – I can't actually put Michigan in Gonzaga's tier yet. If you want to put Michigan in Baylor's tier now, I get it. Although, I thought it was ridiculously hindsight bias or, like, recency bias of them to rank Michigan ahead of Baylor. They both have one loss. I
1: do agree with that.
2: Michigan's one loss was to a NIT team by 17. Baylor's one loss was to a tournament team by 13. But...
1: The, off of like a COVID you, pause.
2: Like you said, if Baylor is still sluggish off this COVID pause, I would get concerned. But if they turn around and go 3-0 and this week, like they're back to being my clear number two team.
1: So, Matt, a debate over the years, I think, by many in college basketball is Gonzaga being in this conference. I don't think that takes anything away from from their talent this year. It's undeniable. But... You, you know, Brandon mentioned just having all of these games, and I think my thought watching Gonzaga the other day was it would be so great to just see them have a competitive matchup night in, night out, to be playing some better teams. What are your thoughts on, on you know, Gonzaga and just being in that conference? I mean, because for me, it's like I, I, it's not even about um, evaluating them. It's just about, like, this is an incredible team. Wouldn't it be great to see them compete against top teams night in and night out? And, I mean, they would probably fall into the Pac-12, which, you know, isn't a top conference. But just to be in some sort of greater competition, I think, would, would be great for college basketball and fans.
0: I think with their non-conference schedule every year, we get that. But it's always earlier in the season. And then the rest of the season, they just kind of steamroll the WCC and they're the auto bid every year. And they don't even have to be an auto bid because they would get a bid to the tournament based on how good they are every season. Um, but – The teams Brandon mentioned, they they beat Kansas, who was number six at the time. They beat Auburn. They beat number 11, West Virginia. They were supposed to play Baylor, but it got canceled. Um, And then they beat number three, Iowa. They beat number 16, Virginia. And then I think they were supposed to play Tennessee as well, and that game got canceled. So, oh, I'm
1: not denying all of that. I just want to be able to watch later in the season them play against better teams. They 100% are the best team in the nation. They've gotten some ranked wins, but, but more so for me, it's like teams evolve over the season. I, I, they play these great matchups to begin, but like, I want to see them – I want to watch some more fun matchups with Gonzaga where it's a competitive matchup.
0: Yeah, I agree. and I don't know like, what goes into changing a conference and all that. I'm sure it has to do with money and – there's probably so many different things, but if the, even if they were in the Pac-12, they'd roll through that too, and that would yep, be true. Fun <laughs> There's more, there'd be more high-profile names and, and teams playing each other. Um, but maybe even like one year, just flip it around and start with conference play, and then play the, the, the big <laughs> the big teams at the end, non-conference, and that could be like. I
1: actually more, like that. Very unconventional. That that would actually be really fun.
0: But I feel like that would only work well for Gonzaga because you look at Maryland's non-conference schedule. Oh, yeah. It's like it's not even fun to watch at that point. Um, And you want to see all their Big Ten games towards the end like we are now. But I don't know. I think, yeah, putting them in a different conference would make it a lot more exciting. But I'm not – I know you didn't say this, but I'm not taking away from their their non-conference resume because that's easily the hardest in the country. And that's where they pick up.
1: Oh, I'm 100% yeah. not taking away from that. I just want I to be able to, I was watching that game thinking, like, it was crazy. I had some friend texting me that doesn't really watch college basketball that much. Um, and he kept on texting, like, about um, Loyola Marymount, like, how he thought they were going to come back and how, like, he thought, like, the refs, like, ruined the game in the first half. I'm like, Gonzaga was going to go on a run and win this game regardless. And, you know, they're just going on and winning by so much. And in my head, I'm just thinking, like, I just want to – like, they're such an exciting team. I would love to see them just in a battle late in the season. And, yes, we'll see that down the line, but I don't know. I feel like it would be good for college basketball as a whole to have them in more competitive matchups throughout the year. And- and like I said, it doesn't take away from them. It's just a matter of what, having fans be able, to, be able to watch that and, you know, getting them more airtime. You know, I feel like that would put more resources into the program.
0: And going off that point, I think one of the reasons that they just don't win the national title and they haven't really had success getting that deep is that they don't get tested since late December ever. They just walk through their conference, they win the tournament, and then they're in the NCAA tournament. And then that's their first test since really the end of December. That's three, four months right there of not being tested in a game. And I think that really plays a big role in them not making deep runs.
2: I will say that Gonzaga does have the longest streak in the country of making the sweet 16 at five years. So they are, they, they do avoid upset in round one and round two early, but then you're right when you run into a real, like a real buzzsaw, a real good team. Like I think of um, the Brandon Clark, Rui Hachimura team, I guess oh, that, was, yes. that was two years ago. And like, they were good. They made the, elite eight I want I think I think they made the elite eight it was a good team they went far but I thought that team could have made the the championship and they run to a real Texas Tech team that like you know that that's not something you see in the WCC and they they couldn't pull it out and like I I thought that team was legit so I do think like the stigma that they're I do think the stigma that they like are bad in the tournament or get upset early I hate that stigma because they've made five straight sweet six teams but
1: for me it's just watching (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's yeah I mean I, I would like I would love to see him in the Pac-12 the Pac-12 is one of my favorite leagues uh the late night game time really
1: are you really really I mean like I like the Pac-12 for Bill Walton and his entertainment but like mm-hmm. it's not they're not good it's just like so I don't bad. think the, I don't
2: think the basketball is like the teams collectively aren't that great but like you have like really interesting and exciting players like Evan Mobley on USC is going to be a top three pick uh, Chris Duarte in Oregon is one of three high major players in the past 15 years to average 17 on 50% shooting and two steals. And the other two guys that in is
1: that list. it's such a random stat.
2: And the other two guys in that list are uh, Zion Williamson and James Harden. You know, I, th- I think we've heard of them. Um, I, are I are
1: mean, you sure? I've never heard of those guys.
2: Um, I like, the, like, I like, I think it's competitive. You know, Arizona State has some guys where they haven't been good. Arizona is going to be really good next year. Like, they were okay this year. I like the Pac-12. UCLA has Mick Cronin. They're, they play defense. So I would like to see Gonzaga in that league. Like, I enjoy the Pac-12, but I think it's, financially it probably wouldn't work because they don't play football, and the Pac-12 is like a football conference too. But I, 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 I trust me. some
1: of the schools. Look at Notre Dame or look at Johns Hopkins that play in leagues just for lacrosse.
2: It's a good point. I mean, I don't know if the Pac-12 wants to take a non-football team, but... Um, like, just
1: have them play in the, in the Pac-12 for men's and women's basketball because their women's basketball team is really good, too. And Pac-12 is, I, is the best women's basketball conference in the country, and that could be really fun as well. I think you have them in for those two sports, and it's kind of like what you have with those other schools where they're just in for lacrosse. Like, I don't know the logistical things, but I feel like it's doable.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would love to see the, the Gonzaga in the Pac-12. All right, so I feel like we all have to co- go kind of soon. But before we wrap up, it was a huge weekend, and, like, we've talked about some results. But which – I'll start with Matt. Which result from this weekend stood out to you the most? Or do you think it was the most impactful?
0: Um, hmm. I mean, I think Kansas beating Baylor. Um, I didn't think Kansas was as good as they are or as good enough to beat Baylor. And I still don't really believe – in kansas that much um but even i think texas tech beating texas i thought texas was gonna win and it just seems like texas tech really had that game i don't think it really was that close and i mean their defense is really good again and they have a chance to make another deep run with mac mcclung especially being i could just see him being like a jimmer for that kind of guy just carrying a team in the tournament um So I think either of those are two of the more impressive wins I saw and really didn't expect. And I think Texas Tech is dangerous in in March. I want to see how far they can go.
1: I guess for me, um, kind of like outside of like the really – I don't know if they're necessarily like – you know, obviously like Baylor's that biggest game. There's some others there, you know, Ohio State, Iowa. But I think like a pair of um, Big East games really stood out to me having having villanova and butler um i have i've gone back and forth about villanova all season and i I think they came in high they had that break they haven't faced that much competition i I just i don't know i don't think that they're as good as everyone's hyped them up to be i don't think they're top 10 team in the country and then you have another matchup there where um you have creighton and, and xavier I feel like Creighton's 13, but, like, they're not talked about, like, at all. They're just kind of there. Um, first off, horrific jersey matchup in that game. Like, these jerseys, like, made, like it was just so bad. Like, <laughs> Xavier was wearing a weird color, made a really weird fit. That's just my random tidbit. But – um yeah, I don't those are two teams that like are ranked high from the Big East that I'm really not buying. I think the Big East is another conference that just isn't as strong this year. It's usually very strong. You know, you've seen Hall just having a really down year, which is, you know, surprising with the people they are able to get, but those are two teams that I think are, are a bit overrated right right now and I don't see them going far in March if if you look at uh, this bracketology right now which I am just pulling up you have Villanova as a three seed, which has declined, and Joe Lennardi currently has them in a bracket with Wisconsin. I, I don't think Wisconsin's great, but I honestly think Wisconsin could beat Villanova. And then with, with Creighton, uh, you have them with Wichita State and as a five seed, and then Arkansas and Belmont, and I see Arkansas beating them handedly. So those are two teams that I'm just eh, not really sold on. Obviously, we talked about the huge – um, Ohio State win Arkansas beating LSU I think Arkansas is a really under team. team um, I love Musselman he's just the articles that have been out just kind of the behind the scenes of his program who he is as a person I, I think that's that's huge um, North Carolina kind of making this run to get in with that big win over Florida State I think there are a lot of games over the weekend for either teams that are on the bubble or just kind of either not being talked about because they're either kind of they're higher but not that good or kind of um, lower in the poll but not getting that recognition. I think, you know, those are some teams that stood out to me in that regard. And, um, yeah, I think Villanova is, is kind of one of the biggest disappointments this season. And, you know, obviously that COVID pause has a big impact. We're seeing the impact of Baylor right now. But it's just like they're not facing the same competition that Baylor is facing. You know, like they're not in as competitive of a league this year. And you know, you look at the games that they've won. You know, they got props for a win over Arizona State when Arizona State was 18 at the time. It's obviously not not a good team. Um, and then you look at uh, some of their ever wins. They got that 68-64 win over Texas, which is good. Um, but I mean, you look at the rest of their games and there's no signature win, not a single one. Like that's just a team that I, I think should not be top 10. I don't really see them going anywhere.
2: Yeah. I, I don't, I don't love this Villanova team. It doesn't feel like the, well,
1: stereoty- oh, I love Jay, right. I'll say that. Yeah. But
2: this, this doesn't feel like his stereotypical like team. I, I think that they don't really have a rim protector this year. They block a historically low amount of shots for a power five team. Um, they don't really have any like Jeremiah Robinson Earl's fine, but they don't have any pros, any dudes, any all Americans. So Which is so rare. Yeah, and especially when they were supposed to be the third best team coming into the season. But yeah, I don't think this is their I don't think this is his best team. And we can say they don't deserve to be top ten, but honestly, like I feel like nobody does. I feel like have <laughs> a, a, a Except those ranking. three
1: teams, and maybe I think Illinois. Is I mean for me it's like Bo's Illinois Ohio State Bo's even, even those Ohio State is is a little I don't know I, if, I think beyond if, like those five teams like I have no I just feel like eh
2: Why Ohio State they have they got swept by Purdue and lost I I people.
1: just said I just said I don't know about Ohio State but Illinois is definitely in there I think what, Illinois is What about these Big Twelve to, Big
2: Big Twelve teams
1: put some respect oh God, on You the- and the Big Twelve we'll we'll talk about that next <laughs> week because if we if we start that now you're gonna go on for like an hour. Uh
2: I just want want to say West Virginia, Virginia only team to hold Gonzaga within 10 points. Losses at Kansas, at OU, at Texas, all within a bucket. Lost to Florida by five. Lost to OU by one. There's no bad losses there. And West Virginia has wins over Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State twice, and Oklahoma. So West Virginia, put some respect on them. They might lose to Baylor today, but I think that's a really good team.
1: So before we wrap up, uh, I think we should do one more thing of the, the, we just mentioned that outside of the, those teams, like we don't know who else could win, but in terms of like who you guys think could be a sleeper to make, you know, a final Four, a lead eight to kind of be in there. Um, we'll do that. And then, you know, guys, if you're listening right now, send us questions, uh, at to studio times, DM us, send us emails, uh, reach out on, on the site. You can reach out to just do at times at gmail.com and let us know what you want us to discuss. because. We are very ready to debate. It's the most exciting time of year. But before we end, uh, I guess I'll start with you, Matt. Who is your sleeper team to go farther than people are expecting them to?
0: Well, I don't know if this is like considered a real sleeper, but some, th- some team that we haven't mentioned yet is Florida State. I think that they have a chance. I know they did, just lost to North Carolina, but they do have a chance to make a run here and win the ACC title. And – they're going to be a top three seed, I think. Right now, they're at three, um, but I love, I love their head coach. I just, I love what he does, and, and I, I think they're just a, a good team that really not many people are looking at because the ACC has been brutal this year. Um, everybody's always looking at Duke and Virginia and North Carolina. Nobody's really looking at Florida State, but I, I think that they really have a solid team that's all around and. Right now they would match up with UNCG as a 14 in the first round and then either Texas Tech or Colorado State. So as I mentioned a little bit ago, I think Texas Tech can make a run. And I think now Florida State can make a run. So that game in the round of 32 would be gigantic. Um, So we'll see. But I'm picking Florida State to make a little bit of a run.
1: What about you, Brandon?
2: My my sleeper is – the Oregon Ducks, uh, oh
1: this is a team that was,
2: that was ranked preseason top 25 coming in. Then, the, you know, starting point guard Will Richardson hurt his thumb. Eugene Omarui, who played at Rutgers two years ago, I think, uh, missed some games with injury. They starting center in Dante tore his ACL, but they did get, like, their collection of their starting five back after a, a lengthy COVID pause, and they've won eight of their last nine. They're playing really well. <clears throat> And they have a pro in Chris Duarte, who, like I said, is having an incredible season. Um, they have shooters. They have athletes. Dana Ullman is a good March coach. They win games in March. They're a projected eight seed right now. So, like, that would, um, that would scare me because, like, I wouldn't want to see them play Baylor or Gonzaga. But if they got to the seven line, which I think they will because I think they're going to win the Pac-12 tournament and kind of win out. If they got to the two line, like, or the seven line, like, I'm not, if I'm Oregon, I'm not scared of Iowa state. I'm not scared of Iowa. I'm not really scared of Alabama. Like I think, I think Oregon is a real sleeper team because they were once a top team that just lost their guys and now their guys are back. So Oregon is my team to watch out
1: for. Yeah. For me, uh, this will make you happy, Brandon. It's, it's two big 12 teams. Um, And one of them is Oklahoma State, which I've mentioned if they're in at a four seed, you know, if the NCAA lets them play, they're riding a hot hand right now. I think Cade Cunningham is great. Um, I, I think they're really trending in the right direction right now and have a lot of confidence. And right now they're in a bracket with, you know, Colorado. They would face Liberty and then either Colorado and the winner of Xavier, Georgia Tech. Um, then they could possibly face Illinois, which, which could be interesting. Um, And then, but I think Illinois honestly would win that. And then the other team that we talked about is Texas tech. Um, As much as I go back and forth about how I feel about him, I think Mac McClung has been really good. um, And that team has been overall. Um, I think those are kind of two teams that could possibly make an elite eight. I think one of them I don't know if they could sneak into a Final Four, but I think one of them can certainly make uh, an Elite Eight.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the Big 12 homer. I like both those <laughs> I, I think they could both make a Final Four. If, if, really? 100%. I mean, you have Cade Cunningham. You can win every, any game you're in. And then <clears throat> uh, Texas Tech, like you said, really good defense. McClung could be a heat check guy. I think, I think any of those seven Big 12 teams could seriously make a Final Four if the draw worked out. But I, I, I like those two teams a lot.
1: All right. Well, we will get into the pack, uh, into the Big 12 versus the Big 10 next time around. Maybe we'll open with that. But thank you guys so much for listening. Like we said, send us in your questions. Send us in what you want us to talk about. We're going to be having some great debates as you know, we continue uh, the road to Indianapolis. Thank you guys so much for listening.